0: Do you remember yep. the Arsenal eleven? Uh, Leighton Orient played at Brisbane Road in front of ninety one hundred and thirty six people. The referee was Kevin Friend. Wojciech Szczesny was the reserve goalkeeper with jersey number fifty three. But how many of that Arsenal team do you remember?
1: Uh, must be Almunia in goal. Yep. Uh, I guess I think Clichy was there.
0: Uh, Clichy was uh, an unused sub. Gibbs played.
1: Unused sub. Oh, did he? Okay. Bentner.
0: Lord Bentner, Uh, he's just retired.
1: Arshavin. Arshavin, 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 I think. mm -hmm. Riziki, I think.
0: Riziki scored the goal.
1: Senderos, was he playing?
0: Uh, Senderos was nowhere to be seen. It was Squilachi Skulachi,
1: Skulachi, my God.
0: And Mikel, number 48. Uh, Because Kaskalny Kaskalny was being rested, Wilshire was being rested. So Danilson and Song and Marouane Shemak. Oh,
1: Shemak, yeah, yeah, okay.
0: Now, who,
1: yeah. who didn't
0: get on the pitch? He was late. Orient's number 29. He was quite a young figure, uh, very fresh. He yeah. was on loan.
1: I think you're talking about Harry Kane.
0: Sir Harry Kane, who gets a lovely mention. Harry Kane? Uh, yeah, You call him young Harry Kane. He scored a couple of goals in a 4-0 win. Uh, and then little yeah, 20, Tom yeah. Carroll uh, played the yeah. second half of that Arsenal game. He did. In fact, he was involved in the build-up for the goal. For, for
1: Orient's goal? I, I can remember it. So, a bit of background on that. So, I'd never seen Orient so full. Um, I'd been there the, the season before when Leeds took about a million people to sit in the stands. But it didn't feel as full as it did that day. It honestly felt like there were there was people hanging in the rafters. That's how my mind paints the picture of that day. Because obviously, Arsenal had all of the um, uh, the East stand. Uh, they'd filled all that out. They'd already been noisy. It was so noisy the whole game. I mean, my voice was hoarse. It was so so noisy. Too. And it was funny because my two Arsenal mates had basically turned on their own kind. They'd they'd, they'd almost like torn off any vestiges of Arsenal for that game to give the opposing fans as much stick as possible and all that kind of thing. But yeah, uh, that goal I just seem to remember it all kind of happened quite... You know, you might have experienced it before, Just it's almost like it slows down. And the ball was kind of pinging about in the midfield. And I think Tommy Carroll played the ball in to someone and then into his feet, actually. And then he just burst through two players. He was on the edge of the box. He burst through two players and hammers it low and hard through Almunia as if he was like a hologram. And into the net, and then ran off towards the the, the, uh, the touchline. And the whole—I've never heard a noise. I've been into have been to some very loud games. Like you know, I, I went to um, uh, Spurs Real Madrid at Wembley and won three-one. What a game that was! I've been at White Hart Lane when we beat Chelsea for the first time oh, yeah, in, in, in a, um, a millennia when Lennon scored. In fact, I was in the Park Lane behind the goal when Lennon scored. That was noisy. But I've never heard a noise like that and how long it carried on as well. You know, often there's a big cheer for a goal and then it kind of subsides reasonably quickly. This noise went on. It felt like for minutes. And I can remember out of the corner of my eye seeing Russell Slade streak off down the touchline. And his like his cap comes off and his head's shining in the, the floodlights and just my mate kind of disappeared into a sea of bodies in front of me. It was just one of those moments where I, I, won't, remember, I won't ever forget that, that, that whole game. And that's the beauty of the FA Cup. That is the beauty of the FA Cup. I will always love the FA Cup when you get moments like that. That was a draw. That was to celebrate a draw. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs>
0: well, you, got like... to, you got to go to get hammered at the Emirates 5-0 in what you call a soulless corporate stadium oh, what what really biased was. nonsense there's a tiny bit of soul in Arsenal and it's within Mr. DT rugby <laughs> <Robbie! laughs> oh my god I actually I asked a couple of Tottenham fans when I started this project why is there no Spurs fan TV and I think it's because there they know was,
1: that. Was, oh yes that I, it got driven was, out of town and it got It got driven out of town for exactly (laughs) the reason. Do you know what? I've got no real problem with with fan TV and things like that. I think it's a good idea, you know, regardless of whatever club it is. The problem is it creates that kind of cult of personality uh, with certain people. And you're like, hang on. You're supposed to be talking about your football club here. This isn't the opportunity for you to push your own agendas or, Mm, you know, fair play. I mean, that, that that guy Robbie has done very well and I think I was listening to some radio show the other day where I think it was Simon Jordan slating him and I found myself kind of siding with
0: With Ray Parler as well Ray Parler
1: was it Ray Parler Uh, Ray Parler was way off way off I thought I I just thought it was ridiculous what Ray Parler was saying to you know to one of you know they're both Arsenal fans at the end of the day and you think he was slating him and I thought it was massively unfair there's a place for fan TV Uh, you know alright we can get a bit you know a bit ridiculous but you know we're all all fans we all get a bit silly about things I've said some daft stuff Um, obviously I probably haven't said it to camera and recorded and to be shared with millions of people but you know it just is what it is Um, but yeah I mean they're a funny
0: old lot indeed down the road Um, well without them there would be no duality everyone needs some some prick to kick against Um, yeah yeah which former Tottenham manager, by this time this has gone out, will have been a talk sport pundit over summer? And do you think he will whip up with his opinions? Like, uh, oh, oh, Harry can he is a good player?
1: It's, that's not bad. Uh, oh, thank you. Jose, yeah, of course. Of course. Losing Pochettino was, you know, I was annoyed about it. I saw why he had to leave. I understood. There were reasons. It just, it was best for both sides that he left. But to bring in Jose Mourinho, it was it was obvious to most Spurs fans who have been paying attention what that was all about. It was a bit of a wet dream signing for Levy. He'd mm. been calling him for years and years. It, it was kind of like he was he was like look, sort of Moby Dick, you know? He was <laughs> the
0: white whale, the,
1: the big. The, he was the white whale. He was he was Levy's white whale, and he landed him and he got him. And a little bit of me thought, all right, maybe it'll work. I don't know maybe there, you know a lot of the team had down tools for Pochettino obviously and I thought maybe you can get a tune out of them and to an extent I think up until after lockdown Spurs were pretty good I think we won 8 after lockdown
0: out mm-hmm. of about 10 yeah you did fantastic. fantastically couple. yeah
1: you yeah, yeah. did all right. and, and you know we, we, we ended up finishing 6th and yeah so what okay fine and I thought alright we've got a summer you know, a few players who weren't playing so well, maybe given time to bed in, players like Ndombele, uh Lo Celso having a full pre season under his belt. We brought in Bale and Reggion and I was thinking I actually started to see and Doherty is the one, I was like, what a good signing that is. For fifteen million, Dockerty's been such a solid and high performing, you know, to well certainly for Wolves, right back or right wing back, for several seasons, he what a bit of business that is it just kind of went flat. And I understand, you know, maybe leaving your comfort zone somewhere. I mean, he's literally been, I think he might even have been at Wolves when they were playing in League One when I, yep. uh, the season that Orient got to the playoff final. Um, I think he was in the team then. Or certainly skirting about it. You know, he's been there And you think, you know, sometimes you leave a place and it isn't quite right. Maybe he needs another, maybe this season he'll be good. I don't know. He's settled in. Uh, new, new lease of life, all that kind of stuff. But Jose just, it was the West End game. It was 3 all. You know, they, they, we were 3-0 up with 80 minutes to go and yes. then it was 3-0. And, and Lanzini scored probably the goal of his life. He, he's never hit one sweeter. What a goal mm-hmm. that was. And we'd been pumping teams. You know, we smashed Man United and we smashed Southampton and we were top of the league and or close to the top of the league and scoring a shed load of goals. And it was that point of the season, it was then, that Mourinho lost his bottle, decided that instead of throwing everything at it, we were to sit on leads. We'd get the lead and sit on it. What he didn't seem to realise is that our defence was horrendous. They were full of mistakes. Players like Aurea, who would just have a brain fart and push someone over in a box for no reason. You're like, well, there's no danger. They've got their back to goal. What are you doing? It's those decisions. Sanchez has a rick in him. Dyer has a rick in him. Larice, I love Larice, But he will he'll probably, over a season, he will probably gain us more points than he loses but he has a rick in him that was our gambit let's set up with these guys to protect one goal lead. we were going away to Palace taking the lead sitting back sitting back oh look we've conceded in the 80th minute exactly, but Same it, it works it with
0: Terry and Carvalho up. it doesn't work with Ariel and Sanchez
1: correct correct that's exactly mm. right when you've got Terry and Carvalho or you know Real Madrid he had Carvalho and um,
0: Pepe and Ramos oh,
1: Pepe and yeah and you're like right that works Heubierg last season played I think every game and he started badly against Everton and then did brilliantly up until about Christmas January time and then he sort of fell away a bit and lost his way as did the whole team but he looked knackered nobody was helping him and we basically just had no screen So, so as bad as the back four was the midfield was allowing shot after shot after shot and attempt after attempt. If you get the ball into a box long enough and uh, and often enough, you're going to win penalties. That, that's what was happening. We were just in a position where we were putting ourselves in harm's way. And that's not Jose Mourinho's style. It was weird. And you could see he was getting frustrated yeah. by it. The players were getting frustrated by it. The fans were getting frustrated by it. Nothing was working, but nothing was changing. And then you know he had Deli Ali and Bale sat on a bench it was inevitable that i think had the fans been in he'd have been out earlier for sure i think he High should have, he should have been he should have been sacked on the plane after zagreb frankly you don't lose a a, a two goal lead against a team whose manager's in prison you don't do it i mean that, that, that's you want to talk about Spursy?
0: there you go <laughs>
1: It's... who who has lost to a side whose manager is in prison and it it was inevitable I was watching the game unfold before my eyes we weren't playing well and they got a goal and I thought oh here we go and then I thought they're going to get the equaliser soon and it was sure enough bang and then I was like do you know what I can't be bothered to watch extra time because I know what's going to happen I turned it off and I didn't watch extra time because I knew knew I'd get angry and I knew what would happen and it did happen but thankfully I didn't have to watch it but it was just one of those things and and that for me was that should have been it it should have been gone then so this whole thing about, oh, we got sacked five days for a cup final. He should have been gone weeks before. Yeah. Whatever pearls of wisdom he comes up with this summer during the Euros are, they're going to be pithy and they're going to be good copy. And I'm sure he will have a lot of viral videos of him. Ultimately, he is a busted flush who we need to start forgetting about.
0: It's all about him. He's the Piers Morgan of football. Hate him or hate him. Um, <laughs> my favourite talk sport moment. Steve Dale was on TalkSport trying to defend the indefensible. And the guy who oh, gosh, was yeah. on air with him appears in your book, Orientation. Oh! Stephen Dawson. A... Oh, Stephen, of course. Went to bury...
1: Stephen Dawson, of course. Yeah, he properly laid into him. On... That was brilliant. I watched that, yeah. About the wages and, yeah. you know, he need, obviously, you know, he needs to... He's got a mortgage to pay. And Stephen Dawson was brilliant, by the way. Stephen Dawson was a brilliant midfielder. He was He was energy personified... And worked his socks off, and uh, yeah, I loved him at Orient as a, as a midfielder. I, they they haven't really had a presence like him since. I mean, they had Vansalot and uh, for for a bit when when they went to um, to Wembley in the playoff final between Vansalot and uh, and Stephen Dawson. They're probably the two best midfielders I've seen at Orient since I've been going over
0: there. 2018, the player of the year was Macaulay Bon. Uh, 2019, yeah. Craig Clay. There was no award yeah. for the lockdown season, and this season it's Lawrence vigaro uh, who yeah, represented yeah. ex Spurs and yes, Expurs, yeah. signed and also ex Brentford and ex Liverpool. Yeah, he's landed in East London, and he seems to be a safe pair of hands. Um, in a couple of minutes, I'll let you expound on the greatest Orient players of the last ten years. But before that, <laughs> I just wanted to. Just read out the end of uh, Orientation, which is on Amazon Kindle for ninety nine, and on the shelves of the Football Library. And you get your laminated Football Library card with, well, do you want Justin Edinburgh on it?
1: That is a lovely idea, yes. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea.
0: Yeah, I was going to say Hunter Davis, but no, Justin Edinburgh is more sensible.
1: Do you know what? I, and I'll, t- I'll tell you why. Obviously, the Spurs, he's Spurs League Cup, FA Cup winning left-back. Oh, yeah. He was obviously Orient Promotion Manager. But do you know what he was also? He was also Manager of Billericay Town. Mm. So there's three, three, three connections with Justin. and An absolute tragic, tragic loss.
0: Horrible. And I hope his family uh, and, are, and the foundation I, is, do great things.
1: And it, it, incredible. And I was watching his, his kids um, the other night, because uh, it's the second anniversary. And, you know... The, incredible what they've been able to achieve off the back of that. You know, with adding the um, the defibrillators uh, in important places. They've got them over I think they've got them over at Billericki town actually now. They've installed them over at Biliriki, they've got them at Orient. They've obviously named the stand, the West Stand, Justin Edinburgh Stand after Justin. Incredible strength for character with those guys. It's amazing what they've been able to achieve mm-hmm. off the back of that and in such a short space of time.
0: Um, the year that you had, 2010-11, was personally a monumental gig. You lost your grandma. Um, you yep. had a contretemps with Stacy uh, because at one stage it's looking rocky because of a text exchange. Um, because you go, love oh, you. Oh, yeah. She goes, okay, bye. We've all been there. Oh, God, yeah. Everyone's yeah. been there. Yeah. Uh, your job's under review at LexisNexis. You buy a yeah. house, it goes through. Uh, you bid for a house, it doesn't go through. Uh, and at the end of the book, you get the deal on the house, you exchange the contracts, but you bring it back to Orient. Uh, with the season had started with a 3-1 loss on a Friday night against Charlton at Brisbane Road. Hopefully you've put it out of your mind. Um, and Orient finished kind of mid-table, wasn't it?
1: No, they, f- they finished pretty close to the bottom that season. They were, mm. they, they were lucky um, to stay up, really. Um, it was the final few games of the season kind of just got them over the line and they avoided relegation. Uh, probably comfortably in the end, but it was looking a little bit rocky for a while.
0: But you say in the epilogue, my eyes have been opened to the opportunity of enjoying football as it should be, free from hyperbole, free from media overexposure, free from overpricing. I can now go with friends, sit with them and enjoy the collective human experience that football should be. There are no pretensions, no hang-ups. I'm starting to feel I should read this in a Bobby Robson voice. And no animosity. Sometimes the football is bad. It's more Ross Noble. Sometimes the football is bad. Occasionally the refs are appalling and often results don't go our way. It's all part of the fun. Um, but the, the highlight would be going to the training ground to record a video message for, was it Murph?
1: It was. Yeah, he was getting married. He's, he's yeah, married 10 years this
0: Maslatar. year in, in
1: July. The guy, uh, there's a guy over or in He used to be over Oren. I think he's left now called Hal Gould. Um, he was kind of um, fan liaison, general kind of face-oriented. He was everywhere. He was the guy, a uh, lovely guy as well. And um, Chaz, I think, approached him to basically say, listen, you know, our mate's getting married. Could we maybe get a, a, something, maybe do a video or something with, with the lads? I don't know if that's possible. He was like, yeah, no problem. Come down to the training ground. And it was somewhere over in um, near Newbury Park, uh, they've, they've since moved. I don't think they're there anymore or in. But it was over in Newby Park, and uh, it was a proper kind of... It was, it was just like an old sort of cricket club kind of place, you know, sort of formica and wood chip on walls and a dance floor, a, you know, a kind of parquet kind of dance floor and a wooden bar and, you know, it was just a bit naff, but it was great, loved it. And so Chaz and I turned up, did a, a few sort of clips outside, little of bits to camera, and then went inside, set up, all the players come trooping in and uh, they were having their lunch and uh, Russell Slade was there and we kind of introduced ourselves and um, they were like, yeah, great, bang up for it. And I ended up having a good old chat with Scott McLeish. Um, he was yeah, a really nice guy. Uh, Alex Ravel, who I think is, ma- where's his manager at now?
0: Oh, I know the name. Um, I should have looked it up.
1: He's manager in League One or Steve League Two Hitch. now. Stevenage. Stevenage. But Alex Ravel was, was a cracking striker for Orient. Um, he was the one who basically shattered Orient's dreams at Wembley with two goals in the second half. One of them, uh, an impossible goal from about 40 yards that somehow went over Jamie Jones's head. He certainly never scored one like that Orient. But yeah, so he was there. Charlie Daniels, obviously, a Bournemouth, mm-hmm. fame, Premier League player, ex-Tottenham. And yeah, they just all had a nice chat and we did a bit to camera and... Uh, uh, we got Russell Slade to do a little bit and he lifted his cap and, and ble- you know, bless Russell, Like, he, um, Chaz basically had a nightmare with the camera in that it just wasn't working and Russell had to give, they were due to go to Swansea I think in the FA Cup uh, that week or it was literally a couple of days later and uh, he was due to give a bit of a kind of team talk to the lads, they were all sort of sat, they'd finished their dinner, they were just sat around chatting and you could see he was eager to get away but absolute politeness personified just stood there pol- patiently waiting for Chaz to sort the camera out and then I mean, he did a bit to camera he was fantastic everyone was brilliant and for me it was just that opportunity I don't know how many clubs you'd be able to do that I really don't
0: well you used to be able to do that with Watford because Graham Taylor said we've got to make the community um, well, love I mean, this mean, Graham game.
1: Taylor is a special case because yeah. what a guy Graham Taylor was
0: here, here. And if you go down to the Vic, you will see the Graham Taylor statue that was unveiled of him sitting on a bench, which allows fans to sit next to him, which is a very <laughs> smart statue. Um, we, we have the stand named after Justin Edinburgh. You are on Twitter at Flicks and Tricks, which is a very good Twitter account. You're very active okay. there. Has, has the mood taken you to write a follow up to Orientation?
1: I've, I've been asked that a bit Occasionally yes I, I, I don't think I don't think it would be as good frankly now I, It was one of those Completely serendipitous Moments where a lot of things happened If it happened a year If I'd have decided to do it a year later It'd have been boring Nothing really happened You know, The, the football wasn't very good I'd, I'd moved in It was just a run-of-the-mill kind of year but that season, you know, you had everything going on at Orient with the Olympic Stadium. Um, oh, have we even that? The FA Cup run, uh, Spurs in the Champions League, Stacey and I are moving house, um, obviously losing my man as well that period of time, uh, the, the job situation being massively up in the air. A year later, it was kind of settled down to normal. So it, I think it was just one of those times. I, think, I don't think it would be as
0: good. And we also have, I've just looked at the acknowledgement, which I always tend to do. The man who um, writes probably the best journalism currently that I read is John Crace, whose book Vertigo is astonishing. Uh, There's a quote on the cover for him. There's a dedication, by the way, to Florence Margaret Cronin. Uh, Yeah. who, without whose kindness and generosity I may never have seen any live football at all. But uh, with regard to the acknowledgements, you also thank your sister. Have her kids, who are also mentioned, read the book yet?
1: Do you know what? That's a good question. I don't think so. Huh. Um, one, of the, one of them, one of them is uh, loosely an Arsenal fan. The other, my niece, is a now died-in-the-wall Chelsea fan.
0: Oh no! Um,
1: how that? How I know? I know. Yeah. How that came about, I could almost, I could, I could, I could kind of live with the Arsenal thing because my brother-in-law is Arsenal, my nephew's Arsenal. If she was Arsenal, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. But she chose Chelsea, I think, because she liked their kits on FIFA. Mm, no, I think, I, I there's still to be time fair to, to change. To her, Uh, To be fair to her, she has gone all in. Um, She is very much Chelsea. She followed the Chelsea women in the Champions League final. She uh, borrowed my BT uh, login to to watch the the Cup final the other night. Um, See, I'm I'm not a horrible uncle, you see. I could could have said no. Mm. No, no, Chelsea, no, no, no. But of course I wanted her to see her team playing in the Cup final. What frustrates me is that she's been into football for a fraction of my life and she's had FA Cup wins. League wins, Champions League wins, and I've had none of that. <laughs> I feel short-changed.
0: Well, there's always the Johnson's paint. Um, with, <laughs> it, in 2010, you signed up for a supporters club membership at Orient for £11. You note that there are lots of Anorak fans that are attracted to the club. I know my friend Hamish Callan, massive Leighton Orient fan up in Edinburgh. Um, but I've been able to tick off Orient Tonight, thanks to you, um, a wonderful <laughs> football league club. Um, are you still in the supporters' club? I,
1: I'm not, unfortunately. As I say, I've um, I moved away. I'm now in Lee. I'm actually near uh, Orient's deadly rivals, Southend United. Ooh. Who obviously had their own yes, their they're own in turmoil. Big, big trouble. Um, I don't they think are, they'll get ever get out job. of the
0: conference. Yeah, they're in. Well,
1: the they, they, it, it seems like they've got a guy on board now who might sort them out. It okay. seems like they've got a. a yeah, so kind of a, a new CEO over there um, who genuinely, I think he's a fan. I think he, he may well try and steal him. I mean, getting out of the National League, as Orient know, and as Wrexham know, and as Tranmere know, and Hartlepool, getting out of the National League is tough. Indeed. Really, really, really tough. Although talking so, about
0: CEOs, Kent Teague sounds like a really good man. And along with Nigel Travis's it. money orient have been yes. completely turned around after the italian burke <laughs>
1: well put i mean I, I, I was lucky enough to go and uh, to a game um over orient uh, the season they were promoted and i was working with the dream team guys they they did a bit they were doing a whole sort of series of of orient kind of half hour episodes on youtube and they asked me to talk about orientation because they were, they were talking about fans and fandom and they asked me to talk about it and they, they very kindly said yo, would you yo, we'll get you some tickets you can come along bring a mate you go up in the sort of director's box kind of thing which is really nice I'd never done that before and I met Kent Teague then and what a nice guy what an absolutely smashing guy you know this is a guy who travels over from I think it's Texas
0: yeah, or it somewhere yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. his family's all in Texas but he's got them all, to support all
1: in uh, and he travels over almost every week to watch him. He's been away, he, he was in the, the stands, I think, away at Solihull Moors when, when Orient got a draw with, you know, to, to help them on their way to, to promotion from the National League. He, he has gone all in, like he has fully gone all in as Orion and I don't think you can ask much more from an owner in that respect. I've
0: just found um, out he's and, in uh, your business. He does the thing you do. You do kind of software services and so does he.
1: Oh, does he really? Oh, interesting. Apparently, because he's an XP, he's an ex-PGA golfer, wow. I golfer.
0: He doesn't mention that on his Twitter bio. No. Jack of,
1: he's... Jack of all, Jack of all trades, and he's obviously done very well for himself. And then, yeah, obviously you've got um, uh, Nigel Travis as well, who is a sort of local boy done good. I think he grew up in Woodford and has bought the club that he loved as a boy. Um, again, you know, when it comes to football ownership, I think you need that. You know, look at look at what's happened at Leicester. You know, they've got a very very rich owner, and obviously the tragedy that's befallen that family is awful. But even when you know when when Vichai was alive, and now his son's taken over, what's happened at that club is is they care about the football, they care about the club, they care about the fans, and they care about the football. Now that's three things I don't think is true at Tottenham. They don't care about the football. They don't really care about the fans and I'm not entirely sure they care that much about the football club it's a property investment firm yes
0: Joe with, Lewis um, lives know, in the Virgin Islands
1: uh, you know, he's a Mr., Mr Mr. Bahamas Joe yeah he's yeah. Um, you know they, it, it's a property portfolio with a, with a you know a, a staff football team that's what okay. the fan feeling is at the moment maybe it's, it's, a, it's an exaggeration of course it is but it, it makes sense for the football to be front and centre because it's you know that's where you get your exposure but yeah. You know, it feels like they've they've lost sight of it. And we Uh, haven't even uh, mentioned
0: the NFL or the ESL, but there's no time. But Orient, Community (laughs) Club, we need more Orient shirts. We need more clubs like Leighton Orient. And Watford, for all their faults, and there are a few, uh, we're going to be moving grounds in the next 10 years, apparently. So that's the new crisis. But we'll always be the club of Graham Taylor. And we always have to ask, what does Elton think? without, Without Elton, this club would not exist anymore.
1: You've got to have that that route. It has to start there. That because even with owners, owners are custodians of clubs. They're not they, they they own it in terms of they've got their names on a deed somewhere, but they don't it doesn't belong to them per se. Unless you get those kind of owners that Orion have at the moment in Teague and, and Travis, where you do feel like it matters to them. And I know it's it's very easy for you know. Where, when you look at the TV and you see these owners sat in the boxes watching, and you think they must care, surely, but you just don't know. There's no way of really knowing. But it comes down to what they then do, what actually matters. And you look at what happens, um, you know, the, the first game back after months and months and months, and what did Spurs do? They made every ticket sixty quid.
0: Stupid. Sixty what, quid. What imbecilic PR. Imbecilic. Almost and, as bad as this, the this furlough it. thing.
1: Uh, it, precisely. Th- this is months after they, they, they had to row back on the furlough thing. And and that was at the same time that they took out the um, the Bank of England, you know, 0.5% interest loan or whatever it was, um, which they're still, you know, they, they've paid back now, I believe. Uh, that's fine. I've got no issue with them using those facilities to do that. It was open to everybody. Use it, fine, whatever it Victoria, is. Victoria Beckham used it. Uh, did you really?
0: Also got um, read, Yeah
1: make these kind of decisions and not expect a backlash Burnley gave their ticket away for free Arsenal's was 30 quid Chelsea's was 30 quid and, and it's like you say it's, it's somebody decided it was a good idea it, they must have sat around the table and said yeah 60 quid yeah that no problem everyone will be everyone will be so keen to come back into the stadium they'll they'll be you know we were, it'll be like hot cakes but it won't. It, it, it was ridiculous. And it just drove another wedge in. Yeah. Just at, the, at the crucial point when we just did not need any more wedges being driven in.
0: And worse, it makes Tottenham fans. look like Arsenal. Yeah, Wenger's gone, <laughs> but the problem is Cronky Robbie, you get me fam. quite. <laughs> the players yeah, need to take a long, hard look at themselves. Um, Orient. Uh, to finish this marvellous chat, Adam Mickey, about your book Orientation... Uh, which is available for £1.99 on Kindle, and is on the shelves of the Football Library in the League 2 section, uh, along with um, books about Scunthorpe United and Colchester United. Although Leighton Orient, I think, well, I can visit it uh, more easily. But let us have (laughs) the Adam Mickey 11. So you can pick from all the players that you have seen in the last 10 years.
1: So I'm going to go in goal. I think he might... currently be at Leicester as like their third choice he's Eldin Jakubovic oh
0: yeah he did very well at Hull
1: I we I think Orient had him on loan from Hull and he was phenomenal and in fact I think there was a guy uh jokingly tweeted um I don't know obviously he was serious he said because he, went, he he went away and then he came back and the guy basically went online and said if you end up bringing Eldin Jakubowicz back on loan, I will clean the stands. You know, mm-hmm. like, I'll clean the East Stand for you. And like the Twitter, you know, the jumped on it because it went, oh, by the way, Eldin Jakubowicz, come back in. So this guy sort of, you know, he went, fair enough, I'll clean the East Stand for you then. You know, he's good as his word. But yeah, yeah. fantastic goalkeeper. You know, I, I, I could never be sure whether he was Swiss or Polish.
0: Oh, cry. oh no. no, it says Swiss. Bosnian-born Swiss, and he is indeed <laughs> um, at Leicester, so,
1: yes. So after that, I would probably say uh, left-back Charlie Daniels. Yes, um, fantastic player, got up and down. His dead balls are brilliant. So I'm going to jump forward, actually, to left midfield and say Dean Cox. The two of them together, Cox and Daniels, were phenomenal as a left side. Are you, uh, talking, just
0: are you talking about Tiny Cox?
1: Tiny Cox, yeah tiny Cox.
0: indeed um, um,
1: so just, just jumping back into the centre backs now probably Matthew Baudry and Scott Cuthbert I think Baudry was a Frenchman who was very nice very tidy on the ball um, he ended up going where did he go Swindon or somewhere how are you, you spelling like it uh, Baldry, Baudry B-A-U-D-R-Y Matthew Bowdry.:
0: Matthew Baldry, Matthew Baldry. Nice. he is, yes. Um,
1: so we got him from Bournemouth. Moved from to Doncaster,
0: and then he's now at Swindon,
1: yes. Well, here's the, here's the irony. We got him from Bournemouth, because Bournemouth got relegated and nearly fell out of the bottom of the league. We got him from Bournemouth, uh, did brilliant for us, and then Bournemouth obviously <laughs> rocketed all the way up
0: to Plucky the top. little of, Bournemouth with their billionaire the Russian Hallman. owner.
1: I know who yeah yeah yeah. fair point um, so yeah so uh, Boucher and Cuthbert Cuthbert are no nonsense Scottish centre back uh, who looked mean um, but was actually quite a nice little footballer he, he could bring the ball out quite nicely from the back uh, but he, he loved their nice crunching tackle right back probably Elliot Omatsuzi I think um, he was I think ex Chelsea or maybe Fulham or something like that he was certainly that West London side he ended up actually going to prison uh, for uh, a, a, a minor indiscretion but he was an excellent right back a really kind of energetic um, not one of those kind of right backs who got a nosebleed as soon as you hit the halfway line he liked to go forward midfield I've already said Cox at left wing or left midfield centre mid I'm going to say Stephen Dawson captain fantastic and tough choice because Lloyd James was a very good player I think Vansalot, because again, he was a real kind of battler. If you put him and Dawson together, they're probably a, it's probably not the most balanced side, but it's definitely the two that I enjoyed the most. Vansalot and Dawson in midfield. And then right wing has to be Moses Odibaju, mm-hmm. who has been absolutely beset with injuries. He went to Brentford. Uh, he left Orient for Brentford uh, after a brilliant, brilliant season. And I, I remember saying at the time, I think that kid's going to play for England. I really believed it. He went to Brentford and then I think he ended up leaving Brentford, went to Hull mm-hmm. and then he just injuries, injuries. He went to, I think it was at Wednesday. I, I don't know where he is now. I don't know if he's got a club. Um, I think there was talk of trying to get him back to Orient. I think that'd be brilliant, you know, the place where he started. Um, oh, he's out of contract. Then, I've just had a look. He's out, yeah, yes, he's out thought, of contract. I he might so yeah, be.
0: bring him home
1: bring him home but what are his what are his knees like Uh, so yeah it's a real shame Um, and then up front can only be Kevin Lisby oh yeah phenomenal phenomenal player absolutely phenomenal player Um, uh, it just energy that belied his years it was just ridiculous like he was so prolific and he scored some lovely goals Um, and then I think just for sheer fun value, I think probably David Mooney. I've basically named one to eleven, except for uh, Jamie Jones who was in goal, and I think um, Charlie Daniels was there. But I've pretty much named the, the one to eleven that was got to the, you know, the top of the League One for so long, nearly got to the Championship, but just didn't quite make it. Barring a few exceptions, Dawson, Daniels, Yakupovic. That's pretty much the team that got on there, and they were brilliant. They were, they were such a nice team to watch, played lovely football. Russell Slade is a massively... I, I, I don't understand really what's happened to Russell Slade's career. He went to Cardiff and it never worked out for him. And it's just... He played such nice football, his teams. They kept it generally on the pitch. You know, they used the glass while it was there for. And it was just a lot of fun, that team. So, yeah, yeah that, there's my 1-11. My to 11.
0: Pretty good. And you know who we haven't mentioned? I was scrolling idly through a social media site and Leighton Orient said... Press conference, now. And it's Kenny Jacket, the manager of Leighton yeah. Orient, is the yeah. Graham Taylor representative on earth. Of course. Yes, What yes, a wonderfully he was clever... Was
1: it the 84 Cup final
0: team? Yeah. they came up through the divisions, played for Wales. His dad was a footballer. What a shrewd appointment. Um, please plan that celebration parade and I'll meet you. And what's your boy called? Fox. So I meet you and Fox, and not Stacey because she's obviously. I mean, is she, she not a there. little bit? Was she not drawn into the promotion season and no, the last few? No. No,
1: no, no think, could not care less. I actually, it's funny. Last night, um, I showed her some video um, on on Twitter, and it, it mentioned Sunday. This Sunday, obviously, with the Euros, and she said, "Oh, what's happening on Sunday?" and I kind of looked at her and she went England playing I said I kind of nodded and then she went in the Champions League (laughs) Premier League she don't care she does not care it it may as well not exist to her She, she 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 tolerates it. But well, that's um,
0: it. <laughs> you does. describe. I love. I love the description in your book, Orientation. I describe England like Doctor Who. It's like we have to do it. We don't particularly enjoy it, but it's there and it's us. You. You remember how you described the England football team and watching them?
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a, going to the dentist. Correct. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Going completely to the correct. You, you, you know. Yeah, you don't want to, but you know you have to.
0: And we are talking the day before the tournament starts. I I hope we go through to at least the quarterfinals, but it's difficult. We've got some difficult games to negotiate. Um, and this, of course, your your boy is four. I was too young for Euro 92, World Cup 94. Euro 96 was my first big tournament. And so I've been a football fan for 25 years um, you could if england do really well it hooks a whole generation when we do badly and gareth southgate is fired and takes the job at crystal palace <laughs> yeah, yeah but who who would have thought that that skinny striker with the number 29 shirt 10 years on would be the yep. chief lion Uh, So that must give you some pride because you talk when um, I didn't mention this, but after the victory in the FA Cup match or the the draw, the victory that was 1-1, Harry Kane joins his family in the supporters club and then Barry Hearn comes in and said, you have no idea what this is like. It may not happen again. Brackets. We've got a million quid from this run, but um, just the, the nature of being together in that clubhouse having beaten Arsenal's reserves 1-1 that must be something that you'll remember and treasure more than anything else I, yeah. about that season
1: so, so the, the Harry Kane chatting to Harry Kane and his dad it was after a, a midweek game it wasn't the Arsenal game okay. but Barry Hearn com- Barry Hearn coming in to the Sports club after the um the, the cup game yeah and he you know when he said you know enjoy this have a right ball knees up you know we've got battles ahead and that was all around the stadium um yeah, it was. That was you know. It was uh, Barry Hearn is one of the most charismatic men I've ever met. He he, he exudes character and self belief and intelligence. He's a genuinely fascinating guy. Um, I would love to if he ever does an autobiography. I think it would be an absolute cracker. He's got, got
0: time on his hands now because he's he's retired.
1: With, with Snoop, yeah, but with the snooker I think he likes to play a lot of cricket. Actually, he plays mm. for um plays over in Hanningfield, I think it is, uh, in Essex. Um, but no, yeah, I, I never saw Kane coming. I, I didn't see it. He looked to me like a very solid, dependable championship striker, maybe lower Premier League. I never saw him being this good. If he stays at Spurs, I don't know if he will, but if he stays, he probably will be their top scorer ever. I think he will be England's top scorer ever, and I watched him at 17 years old, knocking in a couple of game uh, goals against you know Sheffield Wednesday and working his socks off, and generally just getting about and 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 trying hard. And I think if I think if uh, interviews I've heard with him, that it has been him all over. He works and he works and he mm. works and he works at it all the time and seeing him you know burst onto the scene at Spurs I kind of thought I certainly wasn't of the, of the mind of oh it's a one season wonder because I, I by the time that happened I could see week in week out his quality it wasn't just you know tap into penalties which is what he gets accused of which I don't really understand anyway that's, rubbish that's, that's he what,
0: scores from 30 yards stri-
1: next question that's what striker. but that's what strikers do you get the ball in the net. Where does it matter where it goes from? Doesn't
0: matter. Well, especially um, if we're talking England. But do you think all these managers haven't signed for Spurs because Levea said, "Oh, by the way, Kane's going to Chelsea. Kane's going to City. Do with that what you will." Do you reckon?
1: I don't think so. The thing is, the ball is very much in the club's court when it comes to Harry Kane. They don't have to sell him. I don't have to. It's mm. Three years on a contract. So Harry, don't sign a, don't sign a five-year contract, yeah. mate. and
0: also, if, why if, would if you move? That way. He's got a family. He's got like a flat in London and a house in Chiefs. <sighs> why would you move?
1: Yeah, I think. Well, he, I think it's, he he wants to be by his own admission. He wants to be at a Messi and you know, Ronaldo level. He wants that, and like it goes to that work ethic I've mentioned. He that's what he wants to be. He wants to be up there with the absolute greats. And in his mind, winning a French league, what does that mean to him? As a as a, a you know, a kind of ship passing in the night, he is a, already a club legend at Tottenham. I mean, this is coming from a fan, right? So I, I'm not a professional footballer. I was never close to being a professional footballer. I could understand why somebody who is able to do such amazing things by himself and then not having anything to show for it, would want to leave and, and have something so that at the end of a, of a career, a hard slog of a career, he can look back at his medals and not just a load of golden boots or runners-up medals. And He wants the big prizes, I understand it, and he's good enough and should win those things. The club can't match his ambition. We've come close, I mean, he's been in the Champions League final. He's been second in the Premier League. He's finished runner-up twice in the League Cup. He's had opportunities to win stuff at Tottenham. He sponsors Leighton Orient feels... shirts. He certainly does. What a great guy. Um, I, I just think, you know, winning a league at PSG, to even winning a league at Man City, you know, it's like almost like going, do you know what, I'll tell you what, you can go on loan to Man City for a season. No, yeah, like
0: him back there. Yeah, I think that might be what they do. Loan him for a year. Come I'm...
1: back, Go win your league. Yeah, you've got your trophy. You're a, a tiny part of the history of Manchester City who will probably go on and win loads and loads and loads. I, I'm not even sure these days that Man City fans care that they won the league this year. Don't really,
0: there was a I mean? David Squires cartoon okay. of Pep Guardiola going to the trophy kind of dump room and just throwing another trophy. Tossing it in. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, I, I've got a good mate who's a Man City fan, and yeah, he was obviously pleased they won the league, but he was never as pleased as 2012. Mm -hmm. you know when when that happens and obviously different circumstances but when it's a procession to the title and you know that you're probably in with a shower doing it again next year it's like what i said at the start of the conversation you take away the jeopardy you've lost football there needs to be jeopardy you need to think that you're going to lose and then when you win it's amazing if you get if you lose that if, if you you just lose the joy of winning how can it be when Man United were winning all those trophies in the 90s I bet it got boring for those fans I bet it got boring so oh another, another Premier League what's next how can that be the way of it it needs football needs to constantly evolve and change so that different teams are you know. and it, it does generally work that way but I just fear that that's the, way, that's the way it's going to go that Man City are kind of settling in now for a bit of a run They've won a couple of the last few years. Liverpool obviously stopped them last season, or season before last, whenever it was. But I just don't know where that the joy is. They obviously want to win the Champions League, and they made a mess of that. So that's, for them, winning a, a, a Premier League is almost completely secondary to winning the Champions League yeah. now. It's almost like a sideshow. Winning the Premier League is almost like a sideshow to, to Man City.
0: You get me, fam. <laughs> that's all it needed there. Um, Manchester City have a number 10 shirt that's available. I think it would be foolish. And uh, maybe by the time this goes out in uh, mid-July, that that uh, we should say, when is, yeah. um, when is the anniversary? When is the wedding anniversary of um, your mate?
1: Oh, Murph, it's sometime in July, I think. I can't remember, obviously, exactly when. I'll try and coincide. Uh, yeah, coinc- sometime in July.
0: Oh, and did he smash that? <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you've learned well. Uh, Adam, Mickey, have a wonderful summer. Enjoy the post-season. Uh, the year ends in two. And uh, up Stop. the O's. Up the O's. Never mind, come on you Spurs. Up the O's.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much, Charlie. Just like the library, Just like the library, Just like the Just like the Shh.